Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Seek First Podcast, where we share biblical truth and engage in today's culture. Rick Brown here. Take a minute to subscribe to Seek First Podcast. I really appreciate it. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Spending time with the Lord will be the best part of your day. So let's get ready. Grab your Bible, prepare your heart and your mind. Let's roll. Well, uh, I tell people I had to invite this guy to come so I could see him. I don't get to see him that much anymore. And um, we've been joined at the hip since we were. Little bitty punk kids, full of sin and wickedness, and uh, now we have to be joined about 1,500 miles away, but uh, if you'd please help me in welcoming my baby brother, Pastor Rick Brown. Go on, sit yourself down. (laughs) The last thing you want when you get an introduction is your brother, your big brother, to uh, lose it a little bit emotionally. (laughs) Nobody cries pretty. (laughs) One of the things we are going right now in our nation through the greatest spiritual battle of our generation, and uh, growing up, Scotty and I had lots of battles, and we would, when we were young, we traded, changed schools about every six months, and we learned very early that there's going to be a bully at every school. He'll have a different face and a different name, and so uh, Scotty gave me this little pep talk. He's, he's two and a half years older than me, and uh, he would tell me, now Ricky, whoever he is, when he gives you a hard time, you just, you give it all you got. Just punch him in the face. And if you can't whip him, I will whip him for you. <laughs> now, the sad thing was, is that, you know, if Scotty got whipped, I, I couldn't help him out. <laughs> so it only went one direction. But uh, we learned to hate bullies and we learned to fight bullies and willing to push back when people are trying to bully you God rescues and redeems you and transforms that into standing up for others. And in this incredible conflict that we've entered that's going to be most believe about a 15 to 20 year cultural war in America for what's good and right and pleasing to the Lord or what is seriously dark and satanic. You see, we we live in a generation that has moved far away from the Lord. You see, liberty is not man's idea. It's God's idea. The closer you get to the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. When you come, He sets you free. And then if you're a part of a community, you are set free. But as people move away from God, they move towards darkness and oppression and tyrannical leaders. And that's what we're seeing in this great divide in America right now. People are trying to figure it out. But I want you to know that God's people have been here before and they come out the other side victorious. Because what they want to do is they're moving towards socialism to where the state or government is the supreme authority. But for us as a child of God, who's the supreme authority? The king, Jesus. And so the state, God has created these three organizations, or I should say entities. He created the covenant of marriage and family. This is the building block of society. He created the church, a place of spiritual life, and then he created government. And what has happened in the last 50 years in the church circles is the church and good Christians have moved out of the public square and we have left it to people that want to be socialists. So shame on us for getting out of the public square. That's that's on us. So we have to re-engage in this new um, experience. And I'm in... uh, California, Thousand Oaks, California, at Godspeak, and uh, (laughs) the weather's great, the politics stink. So, but the reality is, is that in this season, 
People are looking for answers. And we are seeing an incredible revival in the church where we're at. And the two churches that I helped in this process, Calvary Chapel of San Jose, I went there for about seven months to help them revamp their leadership and revamp their facility and, and just uh, really get them on track in God's word. And through the corona, they were a church of about 450 people. But when they opened their doors in defiance of the government's mandate to shut down the church, the liquor stores were open, Home Depot was open, the pot shop was open, right? The strip club was open. Only the church had to shut down. And so the churches, Jack Hibbs, Rob McCoy, where we're at in God Speak, and Mike McClure, on Pentecost Sunday said, enough of this, we're opening up our churches. And the full weight of the California government came after us, suing the churches, trying to close them down. Right now, Mike McClure in San Jose has $3.8 million in fines for having church on Sunday mornings. He personally has $100,000 in fines. His assistant pastor has $25,000 in fines. And they won't give up, even though the Supreme Court handed down a decision that set all the churches in California free. They don't care. When I talk about these things, a lot of people in Idaho, because, you know, Face it, this is, this is the conservative stronghold of Idaho right here, right? This is a deep red part of the, the state. And people used to ask me as I pastored here for 24 years, why don't you talk about politics? And I said, I'm preaching to the choir, right? The farmer and the rancher, they're all good people that have the same kind of conservative ideals that came from a Judeo-Christian ethic. So... Why waste our time? We're just here to talk about Jesus. And then I went to California. And I realized, oh, holy cow. You better stand up for loving Jesus and for your citizenship, or it's, it's, it's communist California. It's unbelievable, you guys. So we want to look at God's word. When somebody had to rebuild a nation and they were overwhelmed, the man that moved mountains... His name is Nehemiah. If you have a Bible, open to Nehemiah chapter 1. We want to get into God's Word and the incredible relevance of God's Word through every generation. But here, in such a wonderful way, Nehemiah is an example. He is the man that moved mountains. He moved mountains of rubble. He did the impossible that the Jews had not done, even though they had went back to rebuild the temple 95 years earlier. They had not rebuilt their walls. And if you want to move mountains, you must, first of all, care. This is the man that cared. Check this out. In verse 1 of chapter 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month Cheslev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity in concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, the picture of Israel is a great picture for any nation as far as a model, a roadmap that when people have moved far from God, they've fallen into darkness like the children of Israel had. They went into exile, into Babylon, into Assyria at two different times. And now the Lord is going to bring them back and restore them. And they're going to rebuild their nation. First, they rebuild in the book of Ezra. They rebuild the house of the Lord. Because if you're going to rebuild your life, if you're here today and your life has fallen apart at the seams, you need to bring God into the center of your situation and God will begin to transform your life personally. He'll begin to transform your marriage. He'll begin to transform your family. He'll begin to set you free from addiction. Jesus is the answer. Bring Jesus to the center of your life. And that's why they had to rebuild the temple first. They had to rebuild the house of the Lord first. You've got to get God first in your life if you want to rescue yourself and bring freedom and restoration to your life. But the reality of the walls outside of your life is a picture 
of a life that's broken down all of your self-control. You're now allowing bad things in and you're not protecting the good things that are on the inside. You see, this same illustration is given to us in Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You know, when my self-control, as I begin to allow sin into my life, it's like breaking down these walls. Because walls are defenses to keep the evil out and the good things safe. But when the walls are broken down, you lose the good things and the bad things come in. Anybody that's went through a season of sin, a life of sin, knows that's true. It's not only true for an individual, but it's true for a nation as well. Right now, our wall on the southern border of America is not secure, right? It's like the wall, there is no security there. Two million people are flooding across. We have an invasion on our southern border and our political leaders are doing nothing about it. Nothing at all. Now you have to realize that not only are you and I Christians, but we are also to be salt and light and to take our citizenship as Americans seriously. We have two extremes that I see people go to when I hang out with brothers in the Lord. Both of them miss the mark. One is people see things and go, I'm locked and loaded, let's go shoot some people. <laughs> I'll use no names for the people in this room. <laughs> I got ammo, I got a 7mm, 300 Winchester mag. 18 power scope. I can kill people at a mile. Turn me loose in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, that's not where we're going. And I want you to know that the extreme progressive left want us to go there to throw fuel on the fire of the January 6th domestic terrorist thing. I was there on January 6th. I was there all day long. No, don't clap. They'll come and arrest me. 500,000 people starting the day with the Lord's Prayer. People with kids on their shoulders. It was like a family picnic. And then some crazy people went in and instigated by these uh, subversive aspects of things. Well, I want you to know the other extreme that people go to it's, well, you know what? God's on the throne. He's got this. Let's just go have pizza. I said, okay, one, you want to go kill people. One, you want to get do nothing. All the way through the Bible, every time God wants to get something done, who does he use? People. He uses men and women that are people of faith. When he wants to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, who does he use? Nehemiah. When he wants to rebuild the temple, who does he use? Joshua and Zerubbabel. When he wants to build an ark and save a family and save humanity, who does he call? Noah and his family. When God wants to get something done, he taps somebody. When he wants to set the people free from Egypt to the oppression of 400 years, he goes out into the wilderness to find one guy, Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, Moses is like a lot of people. He gave five strong excuses why he was not going. He said, well, I don't even know what your name. What am I going to say? What's your name? And he said, you say, I, I am that I am has sent you. And we know at that point that Charlton Heston just didn't want to go. Right? <laughs> and it's because he, he was like, what's your name? And even that I am that I am sent you sounds like a little bit like Dr. Seuss. And then he says, but I can't speak. And he said, who made your mouth? I mean, he goes through all these excuses why he can't do it. He doesn't want to do it. I want you to know, I don't want to do what I'm doing, speaking up politically. I just want to tell people about the love of Jesus. That's what I've done for 32 years as a pastor. But there is a point that you wake up. When is that point? When they come for you. When they want to vaccinate your 12-year-old kid without your permission when they'll give your kid hormone replacement to change their gender without your per permission, when they want to indoctrinate your children and tell them because of the color of their white skin they should be ashamed of themselves because of critical race theory, there is a point that you will stand up and push back and say, this is ridiculous. And people, you, 
even though this is a conservative area, I want you to know that Boise is lost. And politically, it's like cancer. It just begins to spread through the whole state. Do not think that you are immune. It is here. And it is taking root. So how do we rebuild this? First of all, you have to care. And that's the bottom line. If you don't care enough to be motivated, because this is the crazy thing. We have this thing called the Constitutional Republic, which means it's government by representation. That means I've got to get involved. You've got to get involved. You've got to, you've got to, we've identified about 500 political offices in the county of Ventura where we're at in California in this new initiative that I'm starting. And we have to fill those with common sense, good people. And people say, well, I don't get involved in politics because it's, you know, it always feels like I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. I tell them, unless Jesus our Lord is running for office, you are always voting for the lesser of two evils. <laughs> Amen? Right. And if our number one job is to preach the gospel, our second responsibility is to maintain our citizenship so that we have the freedom to preach the gospel because that's the first thing they're going to take away is our freedom to preach the gospel. So you have to wake up. Judy, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's here, is a freedom fighter. You're going to love her. She is a brilliant scientist and uh, standing for liberty. Nehemiah first cared. He sat down, he wept, and he mourned for many days. Have you been brokenhearted of what you've been watching for two years? So we just have to turn off the TV, right? We can't take it anymore. And the lies that are being told and being the censorship of what they call misinformation and disinformation. That means anything that does not line up with the narrative of the government. Freedom of speech is the freedom to speak against things you disagree with in any culture. That's the freedom of speech. Misinformation, disinformation, we get, I kept getting us kicked off of YouTube. Because if you don't say things according to their narrative, you go to YouTube prison. Right? They put you on timeout for a week, and then it's two weeks, and then it's three weeks. And if it happens more than three times in six months, you're done for a lifetime. It's like a crazy, I would never think this would happen in America. China, yeah. Russia, yeah. No, America. Wake up, people. Socialism is coming to take over the nation unless good people stand up and resist. That's all that has to happen. Just say, hey, we're not taking it. Right? We're not taking it. Nehemiah had to rebuild something that had been lost, and we have lost our freedom, and we have to rebuild it. So we have to start with prayer. First, we have to care. Then we have to pray. It says in verse 5, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. He starts with prayer. He goes on to confession in verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. But then he's praying the promises. The Lord had promised if they'll repent when they're scattered that he'll bring them back in verse 8. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. And now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. The Lord says if we repent, if we'll turn back to him as a people, as a nation, he will do this work. So we need to be as a church, a lean, mean, preaching machine, seeing people get saved, baptized, following the Lord, being discipled in their walk with the Lord, but also to awaken people to the reality. I must confess, I, when all this happened in the last two years, it was the first time that I had read the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence since Mr. Wilson's class in American history <laughs> in high school, which I was not really into. How about you? Right? But now, you know, if you're carrying a pocket constitution, the FBI and people, they act like it's contraband. It's like, it's startling. They, those who swore to defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that's what's going on in our nation. 
So we have to care, we have to pray, and then we have to have the boldness to ask. Four months goes by, Nehemiah is praying, he's the cupbearer of the king, he's looking for the opportunity. Do you know that God divinely inspired this man because he had access to the king? You see, where you are, God wants to use you in that strategic location. We know when Haman put out a, uh, basically a genocide law to kill all the Jews, who was the queen? Esther. He puts her right in that place at that time for such a time as this. Realize that every single one of us can make a difference in the place that you are. Let me just share with you just from our fellowship where I'm at in Thousand Oaks, God speak, some things that have happened through three people, just individuals. One guy came in, never been in church in his life. He's about 50 years old. He owned a coffee shop where his mom did, and he inherited it, and he was running this coffee shop. So they tried to close his business and ruin his business. And so he said he didn't know what to do. So he came to church. Somebody told him about God speak. He came in, and he was so downcast, and somebody said, hey, there's this guy. He's really distraught. They're going to ruin his business. And I went up, and I met him. His name's Matt. And I said, hey, Matt, what's going on? And he kind of told me the brief story. And I said, why don't you come up here? We want to pray for you. Now, this guy's not a Christian. He's never been to church in his life, but he needed some encouragement because he was about ready to lose his business. So we called him up, and Rob and I laid hands on him, and we prayed for him that God would just give him wisdom and strength and draw him to himself in this whole process. Matt, Matt came in with his hands hanging down, and he went out like a lion. He went out and started an organization called Brave. He recorded, recruited 400 businesses in the valley and stood up and sued the county for their tyranny and stood up. It was unbelievable. And now he's this, like, just this freedom fighter that was just a guy that owned a little coffee shop, and he has this weekly meeting, and it's called Brave. Another uh, person in our fellowship wanted to protect the kids. She had started in 2019 PERC, which is uh, to protect children from the overreach of vaccination. And so she was strategically in this place in the church. And when the second largest school district in America, Los Angeles School District, was going to mandate these vaccines, 35, 34,000 parents and children did not want their child to be vaccinated. So they took them to court and they beat them with a shoestring budget and faith, who they were facing had a budget to defend the Los Angeles School District of $300 million. That was their war. That's what they were going against. Talk about law. I mean, David and Goliath. And they won. And not only did they win to push back the school district so those 34,000 people were set free, but then the school districts in San Francisco dropped their mandates because they realized they could not win. Now, it's not over because they just, they just pivot, and now they're going to Sacramento to pass a law. Because if they can pass the law to do this to the kids, they'll do that, right? But Amy, with Perk, they stood up and they fought. A guy in our church was a, worked for the, the federal government, and he stood up, and he coordinated and got together with about 4,500 other federal workers, and we had a Feds for Medical Freedom event at our church, and Dr. Uh, Simone Gold, a friend of mine and the leader and founder of America's Frontline Doctors, uh, she's also a lawyer. She's a doctor and a lawyer, brilliant lady. And she took this case on and got that uh, put on pause for 3.5 million federal workers so that they didn't have to have that happen. Now, another gal in our church saw the need for a conservative news outlet. Do you understand that? right? So she started this newspaper called The Guardian, and our seniors ministry folds it once a month. It's a monthly edition. You should see it. It's like there's 70 old people in here folding these papers, putting them in bags and shipping them all over our county so that they can have some truth because they can't get it on CNN or CBS or NBC. These are individuals that cared that prayed, that were moved to get involved. They love the Lord and they love our nation. But you have to also step out and ask. Now, Nehemiah is in this place. He cares. He's praying. But he's the king's cupbearer. And you don't dare come in with a sad countenance within the king's presence. Because you can lose your life. It tells us <laughs> here, the man who asked, 
And in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in the presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why, are, why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tombs lie in waste and its gates are burned with fire? He just laid out the case. Why shouldn't I be sad? When I watched the news, starting with the George Floyd thing and seeing Minneapolis burning, seeing Portland burning for a year, seeing Kenosha burning, seeing places across America being burned with fire from the BLM, Antifa extremists with their socialist agenda. It's crazy, isn't it, the progressive left and the news outlets when they were burning and causing literally millions and billions of dollars of damage to communities across America, they said those were peaceful protests. But if people march in the street for a conservative ideal, they're domestic terrorists. Is there something wrong with the picture and what's going on? Yeah, I mean... You, <laughs> This narrative, you have to speak up because you see the reality is if we speak up about anything, the left, they have one simple tactic. They smear you. They smear you. So when we were going to start this Free Ventura, which is a movement from our church to transform our county in the political offices, which is our right as citizens to do, the authority we have is to kick their rear ends out of office right? If they're on the school board or they're in bad places. That's the right that we have as Americans. And people talk about the sovereign or the king of America. It is the opening preamble of the Constitution. We, the people, are in charge of America. We, the people, not tyrants. We, the people. And so this is what our founders and our forefathers inspired us to have and to do. And when you see your, your nation burning, when you see what's going on in our schools, when you see the gender things that are crazy, I mean, talk about the dysphoria, that they're now opening the morning with kindergartners, five years of age, asking them, what personal pronoun do you want to identify as today? Are you a he, a she, an it? Do you know that they've come up with now a hundred genders? Well, that's, that's a mystery to me. Is that a mystery to you? That's a bizarre thing. You see, it's fluid. What am I feeling today? But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, and God made them male and female. He said it pretty simple, right? Male and female. And, but to say that today is you're homophobic, transphobe, you're, you know, whatever. They have a whole list of phobes that they will throw your way. And you just have to step up and take it and don't worry about it. You can't worry about what they have to say because if you do, you will be silenced and that's their tactic. So we have to be as bold as a lion. Here, Nehemiah asks an incredible request. He says, my city is burned and it's coming apart and I need your help, king. I need your help. So in verse four, it says, then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed in the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your uh, servant has found favor in his sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. That's my request. He doesn't stop there. He asks for timber and passage and permission and all of these different things. But he also realizes he's got to evaluate. He's the man that evaluates. It tells us in verse 13 of this chapter, I went out, once he gets to Jerusalem, he went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent wall and to the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. You've got to evaluate what is the damage that you're trying to rebuild. I was in a conundrum through the pandemic when I saw what was going on because it seemed like our, our country's principles and values was turned on its head. And I'm like, what happened? Did you, any of you guys just wake up and go, what happened to America? And it wasn't until I, I got this book 
by a, he's an agnostic, his name's James Lindsay, it's cynical theories, and it basically just unpacks all of postmodernism that has been indoctrinating our kids since the 90s, so about 30 years of indoctrination, postcolonialism, critical race theory, uh, queer theory, uh, fats uh, theory, um, and then uh, disability theory. And it's all of these things that is basically a socialist package that's been crammed down our kids' throats for 30 years. And now those kids, what's taught at the university campus by some uh, nutty professors doesn't stay there. Now all those people are in power. Now they're all in office. And you see, we worship the Lord, but the progressive left worships the process of government. They want utopia. That's why they're so passionate, and that's why conservatives like you and me are not involved in politics. Why? We want to love God, work hard, take care of our family, and pick our kid up from soccer practice. Who wants to have anything to do with politics? Well, because we exited, you know what? The crazy people want to. And they're motivated. They give all their money to it. They give all of their energy to it, and they never sleep because this is their God. Government is their God. And when you that's why you, people can't process how come the conservative movement who has all the right answers and no motivation. We have all the right answers, you guys. I know some of you, you just cuss at your TV all day long. <laughs> yeah, you crazy. <laughs> and then your wife does it for the next 15 minutes. How effective is that unless we get involved? right? So we have to evaluate, and he sees all of this rubble, because it seems overwhelming, doesn't it? It seems like we're outnumbered, but I want you to know, we are not outnumbered. There's more of us than them. And so we, we have to stand up, and, and so even in Bonneville County, you just want to make, you want to check these things out. Are they teaching critical race theory in your schools? Are they teaching your children to be ashamed of the color of their skin? Are they teaching, you know, all this garbage that is destroying America? But none of this is valuable unless we inspire others. And Nehemiah was the man that inspired others. It says in verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do the work. Let's rise up and build. Let's rise up and get involved. Let's rise up and see what's going on in our nation. You have to stand up and rise up. But you know when that happens? When you inspire people and they rise up, look what happens. You immediately have opposition. It says in verse 19, but when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? When we step up and we start this, when I started Free Ventura just uh, last month, a week before we even rolled it out, the left had heard about it. They have people that come to our church, that watch our live streams, they're constantly like a little spy network. And so they try to stop us before we even get started. So they send letters to the editor to be published in the local uh, newspaper. And they said, the cult, they call us a cult, the Godspeak cult is starting their free Ventura white supremacist political movement. So that's, we haven't even had an event yet, right? And I, I don't have a racist bone in my body, but they want to make it all about racism. And, uh, and they want to call you a cult. So they want to embarrass you. They want to shame you. And I, I jokingly told the church because, you know, this comes out and they'd be, hey, do you guys know you're going to a cult? And it freaks people out. That's their goal. So I tell them, hey, as long as we love Jesus and teach the Bible and don't serve Kool-Aid at service, we're going to be okay. Right? You can't let them intimidate you. You can't let them. We went, I was with Charlie Kirk traveling, and we went to Salem, Oregon to speak. And Antifa uh, ran them off from five different facilities. They made... Uh, reservations at this facility, and Antifa called that facility, told them they're going to attack their employees and burn the place down if they let him come. They went to another facility, Antifa found out where that was. They called, said, We're going to burn your place down, attack your employees. So 
by the fifth time, on the very last day when he, he was going to come, that day they did that to the holiday uh, convention center and they canceled at the last minute. So we ended up going out of town 12 miles out in the countryside to this country club and we still, it was a packed house, we still had to turn 100 kids away because these young people are hungry for answers. And the chaos that the left promises gives them no answers. It fills them with resentment and bitterness and puts a chip on their shoulder. And it's nothing but destruction. And anywhere along that time, Charlie and the crew could have, you know, given up. No, you, you have to call their bluff. They're a bunch of bullies. But like a bunch of bullies, when you punch them in the nose, they got nothing left. Right? So you have to stand up against this incredible machine, this progressiveness. Well, who's going to get involved with this? Nehemiah, we know, is the leader. He's a man that's going to move mountains, but nobody can do it by themselves. It has to start with a man and become a movement. And so in chapter 3, we see the man that worked. And man, he works. It tells us, Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it, hung its doors, they built as far as the Tower of the Hundred, and consecrated it, then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Next to Elisha, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zechor built, and next to them, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Going down to verse 23, after Benjamin made, made repairs opposite their house, the priests made repairs each in front of his house. After them, Zadok made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Mashulam made repairs in front of his dwelling. There's a concept that now unfolds in chapter 3 when we get a bunch of people together. First of all, they begin as the wall goes around Jerusalem and the broken down walls that, hey, my next door neighbor and I, we're going to patch this place right in front of our house because every time I come out my front door, I see the, the wall. And it's not until it affects you. It's not until it's in your face. Many of you here today have um, really not engaged to figure out what's going on because you are not, they don't have their boot on your throat like getting ready to fire you because you won't get vaccinated. Now, for, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-vax. I'm pro-liberty. You want to have a vaccine? God bless you. If I don't want one, you should say, God bless me. Right? If you want to wear a mask, God bless you. If I don't want to wear a mask, God bless me. We should just go through life blessing people with liberty and freedom. But rather than, we are now entering a pandemic of the unvaxxed. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. If you're vaccinated, why would you be afraid of unvaccinated people? Right? Hello. Are we lo do we have any logic anymore? I guess not. But the reality is, is it's not until you lose your job. It's not until they take your kid without your permission in the state of California and start giving them hormone treatment to suppress their testosterone if they're a 12-year-old boy and giving them estrogen to transition them before they go through puberty, without your permission. Or to vaccinate them without your permission. Now, if you give them permission, that's your parental right. So the thing is, an authoritarian government exercises brutal authority over its subjects. But a totalitarian government, which that's where this regime wants to go, not only controls your every move, but it wants to now control your speech and your thoughts. You can't say this. You must say this, and you must think this way. A totalitarian government is like you see in North Korea or you see in China. You ever seen <laughs> interviews with people in China? They're like good little robots. Uh, yes, it's safe for us. We like it. <laughs> because they can't go against the narrative, right? You can't say anything out of step with the government. It's unbelievable, but this is who the, the technocrats, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, all these, 
Who, are, who do they look to for inspiration? China. China has 200 million cameras with 1.4 billion people so that there's one camera for face recognition for every uh, seven people. They have a camera for every seven people. And in every neighborhood, they have one out of 10 people that are hired by the government to take notes on all your neighbors. And you turn that in weekly. Now they're going to move towards social credits. Social credits, if you, whatever you buy, all of your banking and stuff, if you buy some diapers, your social credit goes up. If you buy a six-pack of beer, it goes down. Your social credit is governed by your choices. Therefore, in order to travel, you must have high social credit. If your social credit dips, you can't get on a train or a plane. You can't get a small business loan. It's all about social credits. This is where Canada wants to go. And what people don't know is that there's a, around the country in Chattanooga and San Jose are the pilot cities for this rollout that's a worldwide global thing for the Great Reset with cameras, face recognition, gait recognition, which means if you can't see my face, my walk is also distinct, and your walk is also distinct. You have to see what's on the horizon and where things are going, because when the noose is around your neck, it's too late. You have to stand up now. You have to have express freedom while you have it now. So the people that are next to me, that's why you, it's so important to have community like you do here. You have to have community. And that's why pastors across... Why are pastors across America? And let me just tell you, if every pastor across America had a backbone in their love for Jesus and for a love for this nation, we would turn this thing around in a month. The pastors say, oh, I don't want to talk about politics because it's, you know, it's going to, we're going to lose people in our church. I promise you, you're going to lose people. You'll probably lose half your congregation, but you'll get twice as many people that come that actually love God and love freedom. So you're going to have a revival at your church. So you have to go through the emptying to end up getting the, the revival. Unless you just start with that. Well, that's what's happened here. Or you just start from ground zero there, there with Scotty's passion for the Lord and his passion for the country. And there's a lot of people that the dividing lines, we've lost family. People won't, if you, I'm not going to have a show of hands, but how many of you, you couldn't hang out with people for Christmas or Thanksgiving because they weren't vaccinated or you weren't vaccinated or there's, you wouldn't wear a mask or they're not wearing a mask. Or, I mean, where, where, where are we? Is this China? No. Is it Canada? No. But it shall be Canada next without people of vision to rebuild the liberty and the freedom from the broken down walls. And it's going to be people that are next to us and we see the need right in front of us. If you see the need at your school board, go get involved. Isn't it terrifying that the FBI now is going to be weaponized against a parent, a father or a mother that stands up at a school board meeting? They're going to send the FBI to investigate you as domestic terrorists. Talk about a chilling experience. Now, I want you to know that the only way you will ever stand up is simply this. You must count the cost and be willing to lose everything. If you are losing to, willing to lose everything, I'm willing to lose my house, my bank account, my freedom, to go to jail, whatever it is, we're at a place in this cultural war, like our founding fathers, after they wrote the Declaration of Independence, when they said... We're putting it all on the line. Our life, our fortunes, and our sacred trust when we sign this document. And it's because we are afraid of losing social ability. We're afraid of losing the job. We're afraid of whatever it is not to stand up. Now, if you're a student of history like myself, I observe, and I had read when it first came out, Bonhoeffer, by Eric Metaxas 11 years ago. And in a fresh way, I saw what happened to the German people. Because have you ever wondered to yourself, you know, there's good common people in every country. How could you get to the place that you're actually killing in gas chambers and incinerating 6 million Jews? 
How do you get to that place? How are you the soldier that's marching them in? How do you get to that place? Oh, they were just crook. No, they were just like you and me. Do you know in, in, a, in any mob scene, people want to go along with the crowd. They want to go. There's people in the FBI. They're just going along with what they know it's wrong. There's people in the CIA. There's people that are in all these governments, and they just go along and do what they're told. I'm going to do it when I'm told. Do you know the church was complicit by not standing up? Because what the government does is it intimidates the church and the pastors have to speak the government's narrative. And that's what happened to half the churches in America is they have been speaking the government's narrative for the last two years of tyranny without seeking the truth and getting to the bottom of all this stuff. And what happened in Germany, and it's documented, there, there was a, a church that was by the railroad tracks that went to Auschwitz to the gas chambers. And the Jews would be in it screaming and yelling for someone to help them in the railroad cars as they went by. And it was a daily train that went at the same time on that Sunday when the church got together. And the choir leader, rather than do it, said, sing louder so they did not have to hear the cries of the people going to the gas chambers. You see, you slowly, 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 slowly get influenced into a cowardice silence and the people in the population that won't stand up. I don't know about you, but when we're going through this cultural war, this is the most incredible spiritual warfare, it's demonic, that we have went through in our lifetime. And it's global. It's all the way around Australia. It's, it's a global thing. And it's the most severe spiritual war that we've ever went through. But I am determined that when history writes about this, if the Lord hasn't come, which we pray comes this afternoon, that would be nice, right? We're ready for Jesus. Little rapture practice. But this is the thing. People that, they just say, hey, the Lord's coming, this is all coming down. Don't you know in World War I and World War II, the greatest crisis on planet Earth, people were thought the Lord was coming right then? And now we're 100 years later. Aren't you glad that people fought for liberty and freedom continue to? Because the Lord says to occupy till I come. It means to be engaged until I come. So that's our job. Jesus is coming. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to be busy about his kingdom until he comes. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm not just going to sit on my porch and sing Kumbaya for the next 20 years. He's coming. It's prophetic. It's all good. It is prophetic. But we get to be a part of this thing. And when the history this season is over what side of history are we going to be on did we go along were we a part of the tyrannical machine or did we stand up did we speak up the pastor Niemöller, i shared it with a group of people we were with last night but it's a famous quote he was a church planter he was evangelical he was like he could be pastoring this church but back in the the time of the rise of hitler and Niemöller said, when all of this was happening, he said, they, they came for the communists, but I wasn't a communist, so I, di I, I didn't stand up for them. They, they came for the, the wealthy, and I wasn't wealthy, so I didn't stand up for them. They came for the tradesmen, but I was not a tradesman, so I did not stand up for them. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to stand up for me. You see, those who try to play the machine and uh, basically get along and compromise with the government, they're just going to eat you last. They're just going to come for you last. And all along, you think you're, you're going to get away with this. But tyranny never is satisfied. Tyrannical leaders are never satisfied. And the reality is, as we move forward, we can rebuild our nation by the grace of God, and we can come out the other side of this cultural war in the next 15 to 20 years, so strap on your big boy pants because I promise you it's going to be a long haul. This is not like some little thing. Right now, I want you guys to all observe this. What's going to happen in November, an election? And all the politicians right now are going to go, oh, we're all free. There's no mandates. There's no anything, right? And hopefully all, everybody forgets what incredibly oppressive tyrants they were. And then as soon as that's over, they're going to come up with another narrative to move forward in this agenda. Because what's going on in the Ukraine and what's happening, uh, you know, China's watching, 
what's going on in the Ukraine, and they want Taiwan, and they have three more years of Biden's administration, so why wouldn't they go after Taiwan when you have a weak America? We are in, do not deceive yourself, we are in one of the most critical times in American history. We have been under the same constitution for 245 years, the longest running constitutional country in the world. There's countries that are older than ours, but they've swapped their constitutions over and over. But the reality is, the left wants to get rid of the constitution. They, they don't like it, it's in their way, because it's in the way of tyranny, right? So as we rebuild this, and I wanna share with you guys just some great stories of people that are making a difference, because we need some hope, don't we? We need some hope. And religious liberty is, is going away. There's, uh, we had Sh Kelly Shackelford with us, and he is um, the leader of the largest nonprofit legal firm that all they do is defend religious freedom. And they are winning case after case after case. Their, their win rate is 93%. They're like crushing it. So... There, there was this group of senior citizens, and they wanted to ha uh, sing some songs, have a Bible study at their senior citizen hall. And uh, the people said, no, separation of church and state. The, the, uh, the four progressive left city council members said, you may not do that. You may not sing worship songs or have your Bible study at the senior center. And so they uh, forbid them from doing it. So these seniors, now, senior citizens... I. They were out picketing. You don't see senior citizens out picketing often, right? It's not just, <laughs> not usually on their agenda for retirement. But they were out there picketing, and Kelly Slapford was drinking coffee, and he was reading the newspaper, and he saw this story, and he couldn't believe it. He gave it to one of the young, zealous lawyers on his team. He said, go see if you can help these senior citizens. So the guy ripped down there and <laughs> went down there, and... Uh, <laughs> They had a, a news conference to bring visibility because the left only fears exposure. You got to expose what they're doing. That's the only thing they fear. And so they did a news conference and uh, Kelly, after the end of the news conference saying, hey, we're going to defend these people for the religious freedom. He says, anybody want to say anything? And, and, and Lenny, who was a 77-year-old with a cowboy hat and a World War II veteran, walked up there and said, I got something to say. He said, I fought for our freedom in World War II. And they can arrest me as long as they put on there what I'm being arrested for, prayer. And that's all I got to say. And he walked back to the back of the room. Immediately, Fox News wanted to put that on. So they put Lenny on. And not only did the courts side with them, and now they're worshiping the Lord fine, having their Bible studies, but the people in the community kind of said, you know, we elected those people, and they did that to our senior citizens. They did a recall, and they dismissed all four of them. Right? And then one of the senior citizens ran and got on the city council. In this small community, they just took their, their city back over from the progressive left. He shares another story about this sweet gal that was a nurse for 25 years, and she... Uh, has a degenerative eye condition where she has, she's now legally blind. So she's a single woman. She has an apartment, but she got saved, and she's so passionate about her walk with the Lord. She would take her cane, and she would go over to the park across the street, and there's a bench, and she would sit there and just pray for people to come and sit down so she could share her faith with, about Jesus and give them a Gospel of John uh, tract. And the uh, leader of the park came and forbid her from doing it. And the city council banned her from the park and from the city library from sharing her faith. This is America. This is not Russia. This is not China. This is the United States of America. And they heard about this story, and they defended her. And she won, and now she's back in the park sharing the gospel. She can go to the library also if she wants to. You have to stand up and fight tyrants. There's 35 Navy SEALs that do not want to be vaccinated. The best, the, the toughest, these guys are the warriors. They invest so much in these guys. And yet these 35, they have under religious exemptions. So that is going to the Supreme Court. And, and Kelly and their team is litigating that.
Maybe you watch the story of the high school coach that after every high school game, he goes to the 50-yard line, takes a knee, and thanks God to be able to be a high school coach. And he got fired for publicly going to a knee and praying. He's been in the courts for seven years, and the Supreme Court just, just agreed to hear his case in two months. He's going to the Supreme Court. And you know he's going to win if they stick with the Constitution. All these things are people that are standing up and standing for our religious freedoms. I have a friend, maybe you've seen him before. He has a ministry called Life Without Limbs. His name is <laughs> Nick Vujicic. You ever seen Nick Vujicic? This guy, he's born without arms, without legs. He's got one foot that comes out of the trunk of his body. It's, he, he puts his Bible under it, and the whole time he preaches, he slaps it like he would be slapping it with his hand, but with his foot. Nick's an incredible evangelist from Australia. He's been with Chase Bank, the largest bank in America, for 15 years. They have a very large evangelist team and ministry. They froze all of their cards, their debit cards, their credit cards, and Nick contacted the bank and said, what's going on? And they said, you're going to receive a letter from us in 48 hours. So he got the letter and it said that Chase Bank says, we've evaluated your organization and we do not agree with your values. Therefore, we no longer want you as a customer. And they canceled his accounts. Take your money somewhere else. They're now doing this at the banking level and then communicating with every other banking industry uh, professionals, the finance uh, industry in America, if you're conservative. Because he's a Christian and pro-life, they canceled his accounts. So, Nick started his own bank. <laughs> it's called Pro-Life Fintech. He went to Texas, bought a mom-and-pop shop bank, and uh, in the next couple of months, it'll go online, and then in a little while, you'll be able to do banking. So if you want to go to a pro-life bank, you can go with the guy that has... And talk about discrimination. Here's a guy... Disabled, no arms and no legs, right? And they're going to cancel his accounts? Well, you know, it's America. Just go start your own bank, right? Show them what's up. It's only people that will stand up, start their own bank if they get canceled. A little blind lady that takes her case to court so that she can share the love of Jesus. A group of senior citizens that are picketing so that they can have worship service and a Bible study. Across America, we have to stand up for our religious freedom because it's the first thing they want to take from us. Because I want you to know that people of faith are the most courageous freedom fighters in the world. Because we know where freedom comes from. <laughs> Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And he did it in 52 days. He did an unbelievable task in 52 days. And nobody thought it could be done. He is one guy. He inspired a group of people, and they began to build. Now, the way that they did it, this is, this is the time we're in for, for all of us to understand as we wrap it up. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17, it says that the workers, that they worked at construction with one hand, and they held a weapon in the other hand. So we are building God's kingdom. We're telling people that Jesus loves them. If you're here, and you, I don't know why you came here today, maybe somebody promised you a burger afterwards or something, you just found your way into this strange group of people. We want you to know that Jesus loves you, died on the cross for your sins, was buried, rose from the dead through faith in him. You can have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, and you bring him to the center of your life, and he's going to rebuild your life. And that's the hope. That's how we build God's kingdom. But with the other one, we got a sword in our hand to fight for our citizenship. And it's the sword of free speech and truth and liberty. And we are not going to arms yet, my fellow Idaho brothers. Right? I am also armed and dangerous. But I want you to know, unless we first use every avenue of the election process that God has given us, that's how we win. Get them off the school board. Get them off the city council. Get them off the county supervisors. Get them out of the governorship. Get them out of the state. You know, I was asking uh, an individual that I had the, the privilege in this, this last year of meeting kind of the who's who. I met Ron DeSantis, the rock star governor of all of America. And, and Mark Meadows, 
uh, the chief of staff of President Trump, and we spent about a half an hour with him. And I was asking him about some of our political leaders from the state of Idaho that were in Washington. Because we have this new term for people that are in the middle, that kind of rhinos. It's the uniparty. They're both taking money. You know, the Democrat, the, they're, just, they're, they're just getting rich and not standing up for our liberty. And so I asked him about a couple of our political leaders that were in Washington, and he smiled at me in his uh, southern charming way. He said, well, Rick, the guys from Idaho simply don't have the intestinal fortitude to do the right thing. And so you have to, we have to check that out, right? We want good people that are there representing us. The power is with the people. It's not with those government tyrants. The power is with us. But unless people are motivated, activated, involved, because the beauty is, why, why am I so passionate about this? I, for 32 years as a pastor, I never spoke about politics. I always had this same personal conviction that I have. And this is the way it sounded usually when my brother Scotty and my dad were together. Those who might know my father, he's a, a fire-breathing liberty fighter. And, and this is the way it sounded. But in the pulpit, I just want to tell people about the love of Jesus. But you know why I'm fighting now? I have children and grandchildren, and I want them to enjoy the freedom and the liberty and the joy of being an American that can love God and love their nation. And so if you're not willing to fight for yourself, if you're not willing, you got to be willing to fight for your kids and your grandkids. What are you going to give them? You going to give them liberty or are you going to give them tyranny? It's all on us. It's all on us. The joy of walking with the Lord is he fills us with courage. I feel like Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 where the Lord says, "Be strong and very courageous." And he tells him over and over, "Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous because this is not for the faint of heart." We were just with James O'Keefe and if you follow James O'Keefe's stuff at Veritas Somebody had given James O'Keefe Ashley Biden, President Biden's daughter's diary. So they raided, right before Christmas, they raided his apartment. The FBI did. The president sent the FBI to get his daughter's diary from James O'Keefe. But James O'Keefe is fearless because he's been through it before. He said he's, he's there in his boxers, you know, handcuffed, in his boxers at 6 in the morning with the FBI getting Ashley Biden's diary. And he had the integrity. He tried to give it to him to the Biden family a year before because he couldn't authenticate it. You know, he had a lot of journalistic integrity. He wanted to give it back to him. But they didn't want to authenticate it by ac accepting it. So once Biden got into office, then he just sent the FBI for it. And they'll send the FBI for parents who speak up school board meeting. You see what happened in Virginia when people stood up? The new governor, the new lieutenant governor, the new district attorney, they took over Virginia. A sister church of ours, a Calvary Chapel in Loudoun County, trained up a thousand poll watchers to make sure they were straight on the, on the election day to get involved. That's what you have to do. You have to get involved that way. That's what we've been doing for the last couple of years. It seems like a strange thing. Going from California, when I was done here, the Lord spoke to my heart one day. And I was praying about a board meeting that we were going to plan out things for the next few years here at Water Springs. And I, the Lord said, you crossed your finish line, you're done, I have something else for you to do. Well, first of all, I was quite depressed about that because I'd been working my brains out for 24 years for God's kingdom here in Idaho Falls. And the Lord said, I have something else for you to do. Little did I know what was coming. Little did I know that God has put me where he's put me at this time, for a purpose and for a reason. And I want you to know right where you're at is where God has you for this time and this purpose to make a difference for his kingdom and for our nation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your incredible love for us. And we pray that you would build us up and strengthen us in the understanding of the reality around us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're on the throne. Thank you that you're in charge. Thank you that we can totally trust you. And show us, Lord, how we can be involved in the process. Show us how we can occupy till you come. Show us how 
you can do your work through our lives to keep our nation free, Lord. Thank you for Scotty and Connie and the Western Springs and what you're doing in this fellowship, Lord. Thank you for this community. Pray that you would just bless and encourage and prosper and build up your people. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. We'll be hanging out out in the lobby. We'd love to visit with you guys and uh, give you a hug. It's a joy to be back here. This is the first time I've been back to Idle Falls and, and uh, being able to share the word in these four years. So it's great to be home, to be with you all. Uh, our hearts are with you, Tammy and I. So thanks for coming and hanging out with us this morning. Light in the darkness, I won't hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh. Now I won't worry about tomorrow or fear in times of trouble. I keep my heart seeking. I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh. When that day draws me, when my dark is I will keep my heart.